This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. Jamal and I welcome you back to the second part of our conversation. Now, with everything that you've been through, um, what have been the toughest times? Like, have you ever been Mm. in situations where you're like, I can't do this? Yes. My first semester when I transferred to NC State, I had some health issues. Um, I had to be out of school for a month. And at that point, I was like, I just got here. (laughs) I literally been on campus maybe a month. And when I started having issues, um, and at that point, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I, I somehow made it through that first year. like, And I did pretty good that first year, surprisingly. But it was actually my junior year at State when I don't know what was going on. My grandmother, she wasn't doing well with her health. Um, and I was taking some pretty tough classes and still was trying to navigate my way through this place. You know, my first year, I had been through that health thing. So I, I wasn't very familiar. I didn't have a chance to do a lot on a lot on campus my first year. So by the time I got to my second year, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to jump into it. But I jumped into it not knowing what I was really getting myself into. <laughs> right. Not getting myself into. So mm-hmm. I felt like I was drowning. And then dealing with my grandmother's health issues. Man, my grandmother really close. She's helped me get a lot of things in life. And just dealing with that issue. Um, And then at the time, I was also trying to figure out, you know, do I really want to go to medical school? Like, I'm discovering all of this great science around here. You know, is medical school something I really want to do when there's so many opportunities out here? And that was, and the only way I could find that out was by trying different stuff. You know, I've tried biostatistics. I've tried biomath. I've tried bioprocessing, bioengineering. I've tried those. And all of those were like a no. (laughs) (laughs) They were like a no. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Medicine is it. And I didn't, and it took me up until my senior year to finally be comfortable being on this campus to be comfortable with approaching professors, going to the resources that I needed. It took a whole three years, a whole three years. And my senior year was my best year in school, period. Like I I wasn't stressed out. I had some tough classes, but I loved them. I loved the information I was learning. Um, I loved my professors. And I started doing research on campus. And that was probably the biggest motivation factor of it all. You know, not only learning about this stuff, in the classroom, but then going to go apply it in the research. Um, and I think that's what contributed to my success my senior year the most. So what was the difference between junior and senior year? I mean, just did your gram get better or did you figure out how to, I mean, because that's tough to have, I don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. My gram is yeah. sick and I, there's nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking extremely hard classes and so you're trying to manage all three of those at the same time so it's like how do you do that (laughs) right how do you do what was different 
junior year, I don't know, junior year, I feel like I was pretty, I was in a dark place. I just mm-hmm. wasn't, I just wasn't happy. And I've had advisors. It was, <laughs> I remember there was one point I was, I was a college ambassador um, and we were having a meeting and I just came and sat down and I was just so miserable. And my advisor came up to me, she was like, are you okay? And I was just like, I just, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. It's, I, mm-hmm. I'm frustrated. I, I feel like I'm putting all this time into my classes, but I'm not seeing it in my grades. And I'm just, it was just a very emotional time and I didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that summer, that summer, that's when I tried biomathematics and I got to work with honeybees. Um, and I got to spend a lot of time outside and I was in a lot of uncomfortable situations, not, not bad, uncomfortable, but just un- uncomfortable. Like I've never done this before. You know, I've never worked with honeybees. I've never worked with biomathematics before. You know, what am I getting myself into? No, I remember you sent me the pictures of you and the beekeepers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> I was um, like, Jamal. Right. What I if was, you... Everybody was like, are you okay? You want to go to medical school? I'm like, yeah, guys, I just need a break. And, and, and honestly, this is just another story. That junior year, right, I was going through some some deep stuff. And my first year when I got to NC State, I was prepared for the summer. You know, I heard about the summer program. I applied in February or March. I knew what I was doing by March, April. Like, everything was set. Junior year, it was coming April, May. I had no idea what I was doing. My grades at that point were crap. I was like, nobody's going to let me in anywhere. Like, what am I going to do? I don't want to go home. Like, that was not an option. I was like, I can't go home. (laughs) I couldn't imagine spending a summer at home not doing anything. That's probably, that probably would have killed me. Okay, honestly. So again, it's those resources. At the time, I was in a biomathematics class. And we were almost near, I think we had maybe like three weeks before the end of the semester. And my professor told me that there was originally a bio, an undergraduate biomathematics program that, and I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really interested at the time when we first heard about it earlier in the year. Cause I was like, oh, I'll be doing something you know, related to medicine or something. So I won't worry about that. Psych. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> so when he brought you it up again, up. Yeah, right. <laughs> he brought it up again, but this time they were starting a different group. So I was like, okay. I was like, at this point I was like, you know what? I'm desperate. Like I have nothing to do this summer. Let me see, you know, if this is something I could do. So I asked him about it. He's like, yeah. And basically, you know, I it was a very small class, this class. I think we had maybe nine to ten students in this biomath class because it was a it was an upper level math class. So I'm like, OK, well, this is really the only opportunity that I have. And by this point, I was still trying to deal with my grandmother and I didn't really want to go anywhere too far because I felt bad for leaving her. I felt like I needed to be there with her. And it was just a lot of emotional pressure at that point. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to just stay close. So I was like, OK, I'm going to do it. So at that time, they would pay for a stipend, but you did have to find your own housing. So I was like, okay. so they told me how much money I was going to get. So I started working on everything. And then somehow I end up speaking with the lady who was over the program. She was like, yeah, so we're actually not going to be able to give you all the money that we said you would. We would. And I'm like. What? No, I remember that. You, you remember that, in. right? Yeah, you were having a breakdown. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm mm-hmm. like, the amount of money that they were going to give me was basically going to be the amount of housing. So I wasn't going to be able to eat. Like, there was nothing I was going to be able to do. So I, I went into trio office. I was breaking down, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do. So having those advisors, people you trust, people who know your genuine interests, people who know your story. I had somebody in the trio office told me, you know what? 
you say yes, we will make sure you have housing. We will make sure you have food. We will make sure you're taken care of. And I've never had anybody tell me that before. Okay. When I heard that, I almost, I almost started crying just when I heard that. I'm like, wow, like you guys are willing to do that for me. Like for me, <laughs> out of all the students here, you're willing to do that for me. But when it came down to it, I spoke with my professor who actually, um, he was in charge of the budget. He was the one that got the grant um, to give to the students. He was like, you know what? Don't worry about that. We're going to give you, you know, what we promise you, you're going to get this money. So it ended up working out in the end. And it turned out to be a great summer. Like I had a lot of fun working with bees. I learned so much information. And that was research that we literally had to build up from ourselves. Like we were using supplies from this. Well, I don't want to say like broke down house, but (laughs) (laughs) NC State has this bee farm that's kind of like on the outskirts. Well, not on the outskirts. it's, It's maybe about 10 to 15 minutes away from campus. But they've taken this older home and they've converted it to where they do this, um, I think they call it apiculture for, for bees or this bee research. Um, they have all these hives everywhere, right? And, you know, when you think of bees, you know, you probably just think of bee, you know, making honey, yada, yada. But at the time, we wanted to study how different, you could think of kind of like a, of different races of bees. You know, they're more so the same, but there are subtle differences that people believe make some bees better than other. Like some bees may clean their hive better or some bees may produce honey better. But our research um, wanted to find out if that was actually true or not. So that whole summer, we had to maintain different types of bees' hives. Um, and we had to maintain them. We had to run experiments on them. And, and these experiments are things that we created ourselves. We had to create the code um, to analyze the video that we used to, to do the research on the bees. We had to make the presentations that we use. And we had to buy all of the material to do the research. So this is something that we literally made from our hands. And I think that was probably the most humbling experience because, you know, when you're on a large college campus like this, for the most part, all of your resources are given to you. You know, you can walk in any lab. They're going to have all the supplies you need. When we got there, he's like, nope, you actually have nothing. (laughs) You're going to start from the bottom and you're going to figure it out as you go. And we had a graduate advisor. So he's in graduate school. So he's like, no, you guys are going to figure it out. You know, Uh I'm here to bounce ideas off of, but Mm -hmm. you guys have to figure it out. And we were like, Okay, don't know how this is going to work. And we were fairly, we didn't really know much about each other. So we had to learn our boundaries. Like I remember there was one point in time where me and my partner, we would have to go out and collect these bees and we would take turns actually going in there and collect them. You had to use these forceps and go in there and grab them without being stung. Um, And he wanted to do it all the time. I'm like, hey, like, I know this is something you want to do, but I was like, I want to have experience in this as well. Like, I'm, you know, we're kind of in this experience together. And he respected that. You know, there was no altercation or anything like that. It was just I spoke up. You know, and said, you know, this is something that I want to do as well. You know, um, and we had a pretty good relationship. Yeah, you have to ask. Yeah, I mean, they can't, they can't even say no to you if you don't even ask. Right. right? So, so I'm like, what do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. So, um, but after that summer, I don't know if it was just the experience in itself, but um, I felt different. I felt, I don't know. I felt like I could pretty much do anything at that point. You know, I spent the whole summer working outside Monday through Thursday, eight to 10 hours a day um, doing my own research. Like this is my own research. Um, So when senior year got around, again, I was doing research on campus at that point. I had an opportunity to work on two different research projects. Um, I was taking classes that I really, really loved. I got more into neurobiology, endocrinology, things like that. And... I had a really great support system. Trio was great. 
I had a great advisor. I had a group, great group of friends. We all went to the library and studied together. When we were in the library, we wrote down everything we needed to do on the whiteboard and we held each other accountable. So if we were sitting over there talking. We were like, wait, did you read all those 50 pages yet? <laughs> like, I know we having a good combo, but did you read that? Did you read that yet? Yeah. Put um, your phone down. Right. Exactly. That's what it was. And that got us through that last year. Um, man, senior year was great. Mm. So, I mean, I think that's the thing. Like your senior year, who mm-hmm. you were senior year, what would you have told you your junior year? Ooh. Ooh. Or even I now. Told myself. You know. Yeah. Like what advice would you give to junior year, Jamal? I would say talk to people. I think mm-hmm. during that time I didn't speak to anybody. And that's still honestly something that I'm struggling with is being open. For a long time I grew up. I didn't really speak to people. Um, I didn't speak to people about how I felt more so because I was a closed person. There were things that I went through that I didn't think anybody else would understand just being in my environment. So then once I actually finally started talking to people, I'm like, you know what? This really isn't that bad. You know, (laughs) people or at least when you have the right people, you know, you have people who who you feel like aren't judging you and they're actually listening to you. It makes a big difference. So. That's one advice I would tell. I was like, you know what? Find somebody who you can talk to and actually talk to them. You know, don't be afraid to cry. You know, guys can cry. Guys can have emotions. Guys go through turmoil. They go through all of that. Don't be afraid to experience that and embrace it because that's the only way you can get the best experience out of this. Right. Like you're not supposed to always be okay. Right. I mean, that's why Trio is there. Yes. And that's what I it's thought. because bad things happen. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you have to be okay with it. Like, you got to be strong. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, you can cry. You can be afraid. You can and freak out. And college is hard. It is. And trying to figure out to, what to do with the rest of your life is hard. It is. And then college is expensive. Yes. I mean, all the things that financial aid doesn't even Yes. Having cover. on-campus jobs. People have to do a lot of different things to, to make it through. Mm-hmm. And then that's the thing, like you don't you don't even know it. Right. Mm-hmm. You have so many people you're in classes with. They can have two or three jobs, you know, could have a kid. But you would never know because guess what? You see them in the library just as much as you are. You see them in your classes just as much as you are. Well, and I think that's the thing, too, is that with nationally mm-hmm. low income first generation college students only have a 10 percent graduation rate. Wow. So it is hard. 10 percent graduation 10%. rate. And do you know what the percentage of people who reach the summit of Mount Everest is? What? 50% of those who try make it. Wow. So, I mean, for you to graduate college as a low-income first-generation student. Really beat odds. Yeah. Like, you've beaten more odds than the people who've climbed Mount Everest. That is crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the thing is, like, Yeah, it's really, really hard, but you're still here. So that means you can do it. You can do it. Right. And I think that's an important message for people. You know, I even tell my family, my family, a lot of my family didn't go to college. Um, When I tell them, I'm like, you all, (laughs) college is hard, but it's not as hard as a lot of things that you all have to deal with outside of here. Okay, so I'm like, if you can deal with those things in your real life, you can get through college. You Mm -hmm. really can. You can, you can, (laughs) you deal with things in life. You can get through college. Again, Mm -hmm. if you have that support system, and I know that that's easier said than done to get that support system. But again, putting yourself out there into those situations so you can find those right people because they're out there. Don't ever believe that there is somebody out there who doesn't care about your story. Okay. There is somebody out there who cares about your story and who understands your story. So just finding those people and connecting with them, like you said, could be make or break. 
Mm -hmm. a break. Like if I wouldn't have found my friends and found Trish, who knows honestly where I would have been. I could have still been a lost college student right now. You know, yeah. we're trying to graduate. <laughs> You're number eight. <laughs> right, right. You're number eight. <laughs> Signing off on all these loans. Like that could have been me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it works out, you know. And even if you take a different path, so you didn't go straight to medical school. Yeah. So where are you now? So right now I work at a hospital. I'm a clinical research coordinator. Most of my clinical research deals with cardiovascular, the, deals with the cardiovascular system. Um, so I work with a team of cardiologists, interventional cardiologists, cardiothoracic surgeons, and vascular surgeons. Um, and I help them run their research studies. And again, I would have never thought, <laughs> I would have never thought this would have happened, right? I'm going into college, like, you're going to go to med school, like, that's, uh, you got that. But actually, it was during junior year when I was going to do that rough point, I was like, I can't go straight to school. Like, I, I just mentally can't do it right now. But this is just me. I, I really do believe, like, things happen for a reason. Like, I, I experienced that, and I went through all of that. And if I wouldn't have went through those experiences, I probably wouldn't have taken a year. If, you know, if everything went real well, I would have went straight to med school, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to have this great experience or meet uh, some of the great people that I have met. Um, but yeah, right now I'm a research coordinator and, you know, I'm still striving for that dream to go to medical school, hopefully next year, if all things go well. Um, but yeah, you don't have to take the direct route, you know, it's your timeline, it's your path. You do whatever makes you happy. Um, and you don't have to compare your timeline to someone else's timeline, you know, do you? Yeah. Cause following the equation you don't have individual experience. Right. You can't come from your own creative perspective. Right. So you'll have a completely different perspective probably in medical school mm -hmm. than, or even with a policy yeah. graduate degree because of everything that you've gone through in the past that you've taken to get there yes. are completely unique. Yes. And even for people that go, like if your brothers, you go through the same exact experience. It doesn't mean that you all experience that the same. Everybody has their own story. And I think it's really important to know your story and to, at least if you're in the field where you have to talk a lot or you're talking about yourself a lot, again, if you're applying to medical school, you're applying to any type of professional school, knowing your story and knowing how to tell your story, I think it's really important because nobody else can tell your story except you. And with pride and knowing yes. that you've overcome a lot that most of your peers haven't had to deal with. Yes. Like you've done... Like if they were put in your situation, they would have dropped out in three weeks. Yes. And that was honestly, that's something hard to get by. I talked to my advisors. I talked to my advisors a lot about the um, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, it's real. OK, <laughs> even getting to graduate school, once I got in, the, right, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go to Duke. Right. I'm good. <laughs> as soon as I got in, I'm like, wait, it's Duke good enough. I'm like, it's Duke. And I started doubting myself already. And mm. one of my friends, Alicia, she was like, stop it. Be quiet. <laughs> Be quiet. Don't say that. You know, you worked hard to get up to this point. You've done this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you are right. Like, you are so right. I'm crazy. I need to shut up. <laughs> they don't, yeah, they don't admit people to fail. Right. I mean, because if they admitted people to fail, then it would hurt their graduation rate. I mean, right. it hurts them. They wouldn't be Duke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, they wouldn't be them. Right. But just getting past it, and I think a lot of college students go through that. You're always constantly comparing yourself. Or even if you do something great, you're like, oh, it's great, but. And it's like, no, it, there is no but. It's mm -hmm. great. And accept it as great and em embrace that experience. Mm -hmm. Live in the moment. 
Yeah. Now, have you gone to any of the orientation meetings? For school, yeah. Yeah, like, have you seen your fellow I've seen, so we actually, on Tuesday, we had, like, kind of like a webinar. We got to talk to a professor, um, some of the current students, um, and we got to ask them different questions, and everybody is so open. Everybody is so willing to help you. Like, it's kind of scary. <laughs> They're like, please come to us for anything. Like, everybody's telling you that. Um, but at this point, I know when somebody tells me that, I'm going to use them. Like, I'm not going to sit up like, oh, no, I don't. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm using you 100%. I'm asking as many questions as I can. Um, and I think they see that. And I think that was um, one thing that they appreciate about my application was seeing that I am more than willing to to go that extra mile um, to learn about something new or to put myself in an unpredictable situation. Well, it's one of those things of like character. Yeah. It's like you probably know how to work harder. Yes. You know, and you've overcome challenges with creative solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even the beekeeping experience, they yes. said, do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yes. You're like, I don't know how. Uh, right. That's, that's what it, I don't know how. <laughs> and so I think it's that thing is like, yeah, you can go into Duke, but you know yeah. that you'll figure it out. Exactly. And even that, like, I'm thinking about the class I'm going to take. I'm like, am I going to be able to do this? Like, this is graduate school. You know, it's not undergrad anymore. Like, am I going to be able to do it? But then as soon as I actually, as soon as I start thinking those things, I stop myself immediately. I'm like, mm-hmm. you can't, I can't go in thinking like that. I have to go in thinking I have the capacity to do anything I want to do. And I and I believe that. So just continuing to remind myself that this is not something that, you know, you can tell yourself once and you think that you won't have that problem again. It's going to it's probably going to always happen. And you're going to always have some form of doubt about yourself or your abilities. But the most important thing is being able to stop yourself when you're having those doubts and or again, having that support system to be like, hey, remember what you did. Remember this. Remember that. And you got to remind yourself, you're like, all right, I'm actually I'm actually pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, they invited you. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Very true. You don't knock on a door saying, did, did you really want me to come? Right. Are y'all sure? I don't know. So, I mean, I think that's the thing is like they know everything about you academically. And personally. And ooh. That was a very deep uh, statement I sent in. Oh. <laughs> You do. You got to spill your guts. You really do. A friend of mine had a very similar situation. She came from a single parent house home and actually she was from her family's from a different country and and they came here. Um, But being a low income student, you kind of you're kind of afraid to talk about, you know, being a low income student or being a first generation student or coming from a single parent household or just going through the things you go through. You think somebody's going to judge you or think that you don't deserve those things. But again, being true to your story, you know. Just because you were first generation college with a low income student doesn't mean you deserve, you don't deserve to be there. Um, Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to talk about those things. Again, if you think about it, it's not just about you. If you really want to make an impact in the world, you know, regardless of what you're doing, accounting or research or medicine, I would hope that your goal is to bring the next generation of whatever you're doing there. And the only way you can do that is by talking to them and letting them know your experiences. Because of course, People go through the same things and we need to see people from low income families or from first generation students. We need to see them in those positions Um, because if not, then I mean, you may know it's feasible. But then if you don't see it, I mean, you know, how real is it actually? 
Yeah, there's a quote. It says, um, the poor aren't needy, they're needed. Yes. Ooh. And that's, yeah. And so that needed part yeah. is like in bioethics with medical health care, you have to have somebody yes. that's had different health care experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have somebody that hasn't had the resources. Right. So you can plan. Like, you know, right. how are we going to address this issue? Right. You can't assume everybody comes from the same background. Mm-hmm. And you know more than a lot of other people. And this is something that people should know, again, because it's a part of my story and it's a part of who you are. One other reason I think knowing your story and at least telling your story is really important because it also comes down to a level of respect or that human experience. We can't all work together not knowing anything about each other, right? You need some type of background so you can know how to interact with people, you know, Somebody may be transgender and you need to know how to appropriately talk to them. And that's just respect. You know, you can't just go up and, and call anybody, you know, any name that you want or just because you don't know how to pronounce that name. You're like, oh, let me give you a nickname or let me not have done No, I respect your name. I respect you. I'm going to pronounce you by your name. And I, re- I, mm-hmm. I re- expect the same thing back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah, because you, with the marginalized population, say was transgender, you know, Mm -hmm. different names from different countries when we're so, like, American-born focused here. It's like, you know, making your place, making room for yourself. Yes, and that's what you feel like you're doing. Like, Mm -hmm. you literally have to make, dig out a spot for yourself. And even then, you still feel inadequate, but but you're happy you're there. So you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, you know what? I made it here. That mm-hmm. should be enough, right? No, it's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. At least for me, we, we need to be equal. Like yeah. that is what that's what we're, we should be striving for. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't talked about race because mm-hmm. you're African-American male. How mm-hmm. has race, do you think, played into all oh, of this? This has been this is something I think about every day, literally. I'm st- I'm still figuring it out. Like right now I work in a place I work with. Again, I work with a lot of doctors. Right. Again, I want to be a doctor. I at least work. I'm group is over 30 doctors out of those 30 doctors. There's not one black male doctor. There's only one female. And there are maybe a handful of brown people. When I say a handful, I mean, maybe four to five brown people in that group. If you see any black or brown people, most likely they're serving your food or they are sweeping the hallways. And to me, that's alarming Mm -hmm. because you have people walking in these facilities every day who come from different backgrounds, yet they don't see anybody that looks like them that's actually treating them. And to some, you know, that may not be a big deal. They're like, well, at least they're getting treated. But it's it's not really about that. It's about. Being representative. Well, your health is so intimate. Yes, it's very intimate, right? And if you have people who can't even, one, respect you, like, look, people can't even get your name right. It kind of makes me think, well, what else would would they disrespect (laughs) about you, right? They can't even get your name right, right? They're like, oh, I don't want to call you that. So, I don't know. Um, I think that's one reason why I also want to go back to school. Being at Duke, they allow me to take a lot of different classes. So I want to learn more about, you know, race and, and, and how that plays in society. But just being an African-American male, it's it's interesting. You know, I, I work it with all different type of patients. And there have been some moments where I was uncomfortable. And I'm like, am I uncomfortable because I'm an African-American? Or am I just uncomfortable because this is an uncomfortable situation? Or, you know, when I'm meeting people... And, and I work with a, an older population. Most of my patients are over the age of 60. So 
you know, these are people who grow up during a time where things were a lot different. So when I'm walking into a room, I'm thinking, you know, how is this going to go? You know, are they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? You know, I've had some moments where I've had patients that have like just cussed me out. And I'm like, mm. okay, I don't know if you're cussing me out because you're like upset with this situation or you just like don't like me. And again, the way the situation was played, it could have went either way. It's just even that burden of having to think about that. It, it can be tiresome. And I know some people are like, well, you know, it's something it's not always about race. Or it's you don't always have to think about that. Well, it's easier said than done. If you're mm-hmm. interacting with people who don't look like you, you know, who may not know your background. And essentially in an age now where people really don't like talking about race. So if something does come out, it's like, well, who's going to talk about it? Are you going to say something about it? You know, like, no, I'm not saying nothing about it. I don't want to lose my job or I don't want to do something like that. Um, So then just finding those boundaries, you know, you're coming into the workplace. You know, what can you say? What can't you say? What should be said? (laughs) What I guess shouldn't be said. Um, So I'm I'm navigating through that now. I've only been in the workforce for about two years. Um, And for me, it's pretty hard. (laughs) I've learned that over these two years, I've become a very vocal person. Um, and I think that's just a part of me becoming me, um, realizing that I shouldn't be ashamed or, um, yeah, I shouldn't be ashamed of who I am or where I've come from. Um, and at the same time, you should respect me for those exact reasons. You know, I respect you for who you are and what you bring to this team and you should do the same. You know, we all are in this society. We're all a part of a team. We all play specific roles. I respect you for what you do and you should respect me for what I do. I mean, I think that's a huge thing of saying I'm worthy of respect right. and I'm worthy of respect in the workplace, mm-hmm. even though I'm new. Right. You know, maybe for you, that's only been in the because you've said in the lab, people have been there for years and years. Yes. Years. So you're one of the newbies. Yeah. You know, and, and, and young at that. Again, a lot of people I work with there, I would say in their 40s, 40s to 50s. So we're two very different generations grew up in very different times and just just trying to communicate sometimes is is very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's it's hard being in a place that's strictly professional because there are certain questions that I want to ask. You know, I work with these doctors, of course, I want to be I'm like, well, you know, you being a doctor, you working with these different populations, you know, what have you experienced? You know, what have you seen? But it's like, can I ask those questions? You know, is that is that appropriate? Is it not appropriate? And I mean, I think that it should be appropriate, right? You're working with these people. You see them every day, if you know, if not every day. Um, and like you said, health, your health care is very intimate. Um, and I've met some great doctors who spend time with their patients in rooms. And I've seen doctors who spend five minutes in the room and you have the patients coming out complaining. They've only answered one of my questions or I didn't even get to answer them. They're, um, they didn't get to answer my questions. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. And, I, and I'm learning. But I think that's great that you've you're able to like advocate for yourself or ask for clarification. Yes. Like not assuming like, oh, I'm supposed to know what they just said. Right. Or I'm supposed to know how to respond to that. It's like. No, I don't understand. <laughs> right, I what did you mean? By- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, don't ask me. <laughs> or I feel like if I do answers, like, am I being aggressive? Like, am I being too aggressive? Like, I don't want to come up. Well, it's a dance. I don't think anybody knows. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can read books about it, right. you know, <laughs> how to manage the workplace. But I mean, that yeah, that's a whole other beast then, yeah. too of your role 
within the workplace, mm-hmm. just like how you, you know, where you fit in on campus. Now, where do I fit in? Yeah. In the work organization. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is if you are successful at it in undergrad, mm-hmm. then you're more likely to be successful at it in the workplace. Yes. For sure. I would for definitely sure. say networking on campus or not being afraid to approach people has helped. Um, Cause even at work, I still, even though work is work, I still try to find opportunities that allow me to do something that I love or kind of something extra on the side. So, you know, even though I work, I work in clinical research. I'm helping these doctors on the side. I also help them with their own personal research. So I've been able to, and right now I'm in the process of writing a paper with one of the doctors. I got to present at a conference with them and we're working on a second project. Um, so that's something that's outside of my normal job duties. Um, and I think, and that's one thing I do like about where I work at is that they understand, you know, you're a student or, you know, you want to go to medical school and they work in research. So why not, you know, use this opportunity to gain more experience? And they were just like you. Right. At a time. Right. You know, they were interested and they wanted to do what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And they understand that. For sure. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.